Hello everyone, welcome to the MRKH podcast. Our full intro has its very own episode, so please do go check it out. For now, a little hello. I'm Ella May from Vava Womb, and this is Mind Over MRKH, a podcast for and by the people with Mayer Rokotansky Kusterhauser Syndrome. You can support the podcast and the work we do directly by heading to mindovermrkh.org. This podcast is receiving a regular sponsorship to keep us going strong from our wonderful friends and UK charity MRKH Connect. We hope you find some comfort in joining our stigma-free MRKH chats with some true MRKH warriors around the globe. You are not alone. Hello, Sophie. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. I was running late, so Sophie knows I'm a bit manic and stressed, and I've got two dogs in the background. So for everyone listening, sorry if the dogs bark or do anything. I'm going to try and edit it out, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> so Sophie, can you just introduce yourself a bit to everyone listening, whoever they might be? <laughs> yes. Hi, I'm Sophie. Um, I am 23. And I live in Denmark. I started a TikTok page last year um, in March, I think. Was that only and, last year that you started that? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. It's crazy. It's been wow. a wild ride. Um, <laughs> and with where, of course, I am um, talking about MRKH, which is what the whole page is about. And in May of last year, I went viral. So a thousand of, or not a thousand, there were 18 million views on one of them. And it's just been a crazy ride since then (laughs) of a lot of people wanting to get to know more about our condition. So it's really nice. (laughs) You're absolutely smashing it. And it's so nice to have you on. Can we just hear a bit about your, diagnosis of MRKH because I know that you speak about it a lot on your TikTok but just from your point of view now how was your kind of experience when you were younger in Denmark? So ever since I was young I was always waiting for my period to start. My mom and sister they started at 11 and 12 so I was always expecting to start around the same time Um, but then I came around uh 13, 14 years old, and I started getting worried. Um, And my mom also started getting worried a little bit. So whenever we'd go to the doctor for something else, uh, we'd always mention it. Um, And it wasn't until I was almost 18 years old and my old doctor, he retired and I got a new doctor and she finally sent me along in the process. I had kind of been worried beforehand because after a while I started getting worried and like I started researching what could this be and I'd actually found an article about MRKH um so when I got the diagnosis at that point I was just I heard the word and I just thought oh this is what I've been fearing this whole time um and it was I think I found that article a couple years before the actual diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, I also went 
on exchange for a year to Canada. So in that time frame, I wasn't able to go and get it checked out, which mm. I also think is part of the reason why it took so long. But yeah, it was wild. I've always wanted mm. children uh, ever since I was a little kid and had my first baby doll. And that was just always my big dream because it was the one thing I was sure that I was able to accomplish. Mm. Whereas everything else was more uncertain. I knew I would have children. Even if I don't get a man, even if I never find anyone to love me, I would just find a donor. <laughs> but all of a sudden that was taken away from me. Mm. So it was really tough. But then like, I've started accepting it more and it helps to mm. talk to other people. I was going to ask quiet. around the sort of obviously everywhere in the country, like in the world is going to be different. How was it, do you think in kind of Denmark, did you have a support, um, a supportive kind of medical team? And what was the kind of medical support like there? Was there any support groups or did your um, doctor know about it or did he have to kind of refer you to a specialist? How was that kind of journey through the medical teams in Denmark like for you? Um, I think in Denmark, they're very relaxed mm. with things like this. They just say, oh, you're probably a late bloomer. They're not too worried about things like this. Uh, so I think that was the reason why it took so long. And then mm. my doctor, she didn't really know about it. She just thought she was actually really kind about it. Um, I just mentioned that I hadn't had my period yet. And she's like, it's probably nothing to worry about, mm. but I'll just get some tests for you and we'll figure this out. Um, so like, she didn't give any worries before, you know, knowing mm. whether or not there was actually something to worry about. And then I came to a gynecologist and she thought it was something else, like, um, like a closing and that it just had to be like a hymen because I, I thought think, that as well like an imperforate hymen I think they're yeah. called yeah and she was doing an ultrasound she's like oh you have a uterus you have your ovaries you have everything mm. you just need a little procedure and so when I went I had, had then had some MRIs and went to the hospital to get diagnosed so a whole new doctor mm. <laughs> and she just said, oh, well, it looks like you have MRKH, so-and-so. And I was not prepared. I was sitting there with my mom and we were just so shocked mm -hmm. because we thought we were just going there to talk about a surgery I was gonna have. Mm -hmm. I was gonna remove all the problems. And then all of this came up and they were so confused. They're like, have you not been told this could be something and we were just saying no no uh no. we thought we were coming for something else like and we were just so shocked and they could see that we were shocked so they went down the hall and asked um another employee who was a sexologist I don't know if that's the name in English um but she then made an like made time for me to see her that day and she's the one that I was then connected to in regards to dilation and just mm -hmm. talking about um, the condition. 
And did yeah. she ever say that there was other kind of people that had been diagnosed there before? Or did you meet anyone in Denmark that had the same condition at that time when you were newly diagnosed? I didn't. She said mm -hmm. that she had other patients, but mm -hmm. in Denmark, they can't like share, they can't share information with each other because um, we asked if they had any groups or anything, mm -hmm. but that was just not a thing here. So that really yes. sucks. I wish that I could have been connected with someone. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in terms of dilation and like treatment, and I don't really like to call it treatment because I sometimes feel like we don't need to be fixed. We are not broken, um, but we do. they do kind of call it offering treatment. What um, things were you offered? Did they talk about dilating or surgery or did they suggest things to you or anything like that in, in Denmark? Because I think every country's got a different outlook on what we what we should get like in the UK it's very much we don't really do surgery it's it's mainly going through dilation and if that works or if it doesn't work um, or nothing and then in some countries they're very kind of pro-surgery and they only offer that and they don't even talk about the fact that you can dilate without surgery um so yeah, if you don't mind talking a bit about your journey with that that'd be amazing um here it's pretty much like you mentioned it is uh for you um mm. it's they just said pretty much that I should start with dilation. And they pretty much said that was the way to go. Mm. And then if that didn't work, we could talk about other things. And for me, I was just like, I just need this over with. Can't you just fix it now? Not mm. that it needs to be fixed, but that was my mindset at that point. Yeah. I totally agree with you that there's nothing wrong with us. <laughs> there's mm. nothing that needs to be fixed. We don't know that when we're 16 though, 17. Exactly. We're not like we just think that something something is wrong. It's only like in the last two years I've started saying that. Yeah, I I can relate to that. Um, yeah, back then I was in high school, everyone was being sexually active, and mm. people thought that it was weird that I wasn't. And that was also because I wasn't ready, but also because I knew that something was probably wrong. So it was just, I just wanted it to be over, but I'm happy now that I didn't go that way and that, you know, I could try dilation first instead. <laughs> no, thank you for sharing with us as well. Um, so who was, you've said you've met some people with MRKH, who was the first person that you've met and when was that after your like <laughs> newly diagnosed experience of not having anyone and then going through kind of probably looking online and finding other people. So yeah, how was your journey through finding others? Um, I found out about my MRKH in November. Mm. Of, I don't remember what year it was, the year I turned, that was 2016. I don't think I can remember the date I was diagnosed either. People are celebrating their kind of MRKH anniversaries. I'm like, I don't know when mine is. <laughs> I didn't either. I had to go back and find a conversation with some friends to figure out what day it was. <laughs> but yeah, I found out in, in a November. Mm. And then already, I think the day I came home, I started finding groups online. and on there, I found a group for UK where a couple months later, they were starting to talk about doing a meetup. So I was asking, okay, well, first of all, I talked to my parents, what do you think 
about me going. Um, and they thought it was a good idea to meet some other people. Um, and so I asked in the group, hey, I'm from Denmark. If I fly in, is it okay if I join you? And they were all very kind. So I joined that. That was- Oh, so you came to August. the UK? Yeah. Oh, I <laughs> didn't did, know I knew that. Uh, we did a weekend oh. in London. And oh, it was cool. Really cool. <laughs> so, Come back soon, please. <laughs> I would love to. <laughs> there are so many, I see so many MRKHs in the UK. So it would be nice to meet up with some more of you. <laughs> yeah, that'd be amazing. And how was that? How did you feel when you first like met someone else that had the same condition as you? It was amazing to finally feel understood. Um, also, it was less than a year after finding out that I was that I had this, and it just helped so much to be able to meet someone who understood completely, because no one I talked to understood on a level that I needed um, for someone to understand, at least at that point. Um, so it was really nice to finally feel like someone knew what I was talking about I didn't have to explain myself we could just talk about struggles and yeah. everything and I could meet people I was the youngest there um I was 18 and I think the next person was in their 20s somewhere 25 or something yeah. and upwards so I could see people in all stages of their life people who were married and people who had their fur babies and yeah. <laughs> talking about some of them have now gotten children and everything yeah. like it was amazing to see people be happy later on in life for me to see that that could happen to me too no definitely and I felt the same I think that that first meeting with someone else I think mine was some of the UK hospital groups but then we started doing like the London socials and stuff like that and yeah I just think in that social environment it's just so nice to be able to like laugh about it but not that we're all laughing at each other but we can kind of laugh comfortably because you're with people that have got the same thing if that makes sense you're kind yeah. of all just so relaxed to kind of joke about vaginas and feel really comfortable about talking about fertility but in your way because you guys you we've all got it so we can sort of have that banter the MRKH banter <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that I think that to be honest Sophie I feel like you coming to the UK when you're 18 is just so I'm just, it's like in so much awe of you because it, at that age I was so awkward about it and I just didn't want to like I did meet people when I sort of had like I think I did about three years of just not thinking about it not even googling not even looking at anything and then when I rejoined all the groups when I was sort of 22 23 and then started the advocacy stuff that's really when I started meeting everyone but back when I was 18 I was like I don't even want to meet anyone else with it I don't even I don't like it I don't want it to be in my on my body I don't want it to be anything about me and I was so like distant from it so I just want to say I'm so in awe of you and proud of you for coming all the way to the UK just to meet people um because it must have been really nerve-wracking <laughs> it was it definitely was <laughs> but it was just nice to find someone who understood and um I forgot what I was going to say that's right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, back then, when I got the diagnosis, I was already struggling with my mental health. 
And so when I got the diagnosis, I kind of shut down and isolated myself. And so I didn't talk as much with my friends. Mm. Um, so it's just nice to meet someone somewhere else that didn't know about my other story, but they knew mm. the thing that was going on in my life right now. And I, I didn't mention to any of my friends other than like my closest friends that I'd gone there. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really nice. <laughs> Let me talk a bit about that, if that's all right, kind of like rewinding to you as a young, well, I know that you're still young now, we're all still young, <laughs> but um, just a younger kind of teenager being diagnosed. How was, how did you cope and how was your journey through mental health and, and maybe a bit around, like you said, talking to friends and did you tell other people at that time? Um, or was it a bit more of a secret? Because personally, I was very secretive and kept it to myself. And like you said, only really spoke openly to other people with it. But between friends, I was just quite depressed and crying, but not telling anyone why. <laughs> um, so yeah, how was your, how did you cope and how was your kind of mental health? Mm, I think personally, when like just being alone, I was already struggling. So I feel like I haven't fully worked through it yet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think there will always be something to work through with MRKH. Um, in terms with, of friends, I told my closest group of friends on the first day um, and they all skipped school the next day to be with me. So that was, oh, so nice. yeah, that was, what I needed I had just my mom understood when I said I need to stay home tomorrow mm -hmm. and then they all skipped school to be with me so that was amazing that's so nice of them <laughs> yeah it was very touching <laughs> and then slowly I just told a few more sometimes it was well I was drunk at a party or whatever and we were talking about something mm -hmm. I had someone in my um, class in high school who was struggling with PCOS. Mm. And so we bonded at one point um, because some of the struggles we can relate to. Infertility and, and things like that, yeah. Yeah, so that was really nice, but I didn't really talk openly about it um, because high school was just, a lot of rumors and mm -hmm. yeah talking about people behind their back and stuff so I was just trying to protect myself and stay kind of secret about it mm -hmm. um but there were one of my friends who kind of went behind my back and mentioned something to some guys um mm -hmm. that was awful <laughs> It's not nice imagine. being outed when you're not ready. So that should be totally your decision whether or not you tell other people. Yeah, one hundred percent. So how did you um, how did you cope with that? Because I think that's actually a really important subject. Maybe we should do an episode together about school <laughs> because I think yeah, like at school, personally, same as you, didn't tell anyone because I thought I just need to protect my story whilst I'm at school. There's such a big risk of kind of people just not understanding because they're all too young. It wasn't even part of my sex, sex education. So it's not going to be part of like the school sex education. Um, so yeah, how, how did you sort of 
yeah feel at school do you think it affected your kind of confidence as a young person actually I think I got more confident because of it I got to know myself better in that sense which is really nice but I was Mm. also you know I felt bad when talking to guys um I wanted to have a boyfriend but I never wanted to disclose anything so or at least it never got so far that I actually felt like I was comfortable because of high school and rumors and stuff Mm. I didn't want it to get out of hand or tell someone if I didn't know that I could trust them completely Mm. so it was really rough it was like finding a balance on who can I tell and who won't tell it without my permission Mm. yeah no definitely and it's yeah like I said it's it always we should need to like hold the pen every time we tell our stories and that's and that's how it should be at all times um so when it comes to like the fertility side how do you cope with those feelings when it comes because I know earlier you said you wanted a family and things like that um how do you cope with like the feelings of grief but also the fact that you I know that you probably do want a family still so what are you um, thinking when it comes to the fertility side of things um so coping with my feelings I kind Mm. of talk to my friends who either my friends or just friends that also have MRKH I have met also a girl here in Denmark who I like to talk we message a lot especially when we have something going on regarding MRKH yeah Um, and regarding fertility um, I'm not quite sure what I would do because here in Denmark, the laws around surrogacy wouldn't allow for someone like me to actually have a surrogate. Because so far, the laws are that the surrogate would have to use their own egg. <laughs> so oh, it would kind of defeat the purpose. Yeah. So surrog- so gestational surrogacy is illegal in Denmark? Yeah. Ah, right. Okay. That's crap. That's really yeah. crap really crap really really crap um right now I feel like I've got a little lump in my heart now about that (laughs) (laughs) it is awful it's a Mm. law that dates back to like the 80s or something Mm. and my friend here in Denmark who has MRKH she's actually studying law so she's Mm. like updating me on the laws and sometimes we talk about because she's not open about her MRKH like I am Mm. so sometimes we talk about she could help me understand the laws and I could talk about it. Like sometimes there'll be radio shows asking for people to share their stories or whatever. Mm. So sometimes we brainstorm on how we could like work together to make that work or- What about a petition? There was a petition (laughs) at one point, Mm. but not enough uh, signatures. I feel like we need to make this happen. I know. But at the moment, there is um, a lot of talk about parents that are in a same-sex relationship Mm. and about surrogacy regarding that. So I hope that the laws will change soon Mm. and that it will benefit people like us as well. No, definitely. Because I think, yeah, I think it's it's very similar to people 
having loads of different alternative routes to parenthood we're just one of like a small part of that and there's so many people that deserve equal rights to fertility and surrogacy and like legalizing certain things so yeah well anyway best of luck with all of the work there and (laughs) hopefully the whole community can support whatever you do um we'll touch maybe well not going to touch on because I know we want to talk about this a lot but a bit about your advocacy journey and I know that you've been doing that as well through the surrogacy kind of legalization as well um so I think we heard about when you first went public but how did you feel when your video started popping off (laughs) and what was your video so what I can't remember what you said in it but I can't because obviously every video is like a very short 30 something second clip about MRKH and it could be something totally random that goes viral but it's like it makes me really excited when MRKH stuff goes viral because it starts a conversation so how did you feel? (laughs) I felt very excited and also Mm. kind of I got kind of stressed because I was like oh Mm. what if someone sees it who doesn't know but everyone's been so nice about it um that's generally been the reaction whenever I've like come out and talk to someone about it. Um, But it was wild. Uh, I was not prepared for that. Both times um, I went viral twice in Mm. May last year. Um, And both times um, it was a cliffhanger. It didn't say what I was actually, like what the diagnosis was. It pretty much just said that I didn't have a period. So that sparked a lot of conversation in the comments, mm. which then pushed it onto so many other people's pages, um, which made more people interested in what was going on. So I've done a lot of story times due to that. And a lot of people have asked questions. Mm. And so for those who don't know how TikTok works, if someone makes a comment on your video, you can reply to that comment with a video. And you can find that video in the comments where the person asked. So when they see that viral video, they can see in the comments, oh, she's made more. There's explanations to this. And then they watch that. And then they keep going like through my profile and everything. And it just grew from there. Most of my traction on my profile still comes from those um, viral TikToks. Those videos. Because I felt, yeah, like TikTok is one of those places where it can be so amazing because there's so much awareness that we can get out there. And I think it's just incredible the amount of like effort and like creativity that goes into MRKH awareness on there. And even even I, like I, I think I messaged you once, didn't I, saying I'm I'm new to this platform, but I've like I had a, like one video that blew up quite a lot. And I was sort of like, oh, my God, but his comments are wild. Um, so what? let's talk about the reaction. So what sort of reactions have you had from like, should we start with the negative or the positive first? You decide. <laughs> uh, let's just start with the negative. Oh yeah, let's get it out of the way. So, yeah. <laughs> What's, what are the things that the people have said? Maybe we can talk about what your advice to someone else getting those comments would be as well. Yeah, we can definitely do that. Um, well, I get a lot of comments saying that I am lucky. I think mm-hmm. a lot of us MRKHers have heard that. Um, people saying that um, you were not meant to be a mom or oh so are you a boy then and just a lot of comments like that and I think it kind of it just 
has roots in people not having enough knowledge about bodies. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, I think it's pretty much based off of people not having more knowledge about the yeah. subject. I don't think necessarily it's always because they want to be mean, but sometimes I get mean comments and I'm like, I'll explain the situation in the nicest way possible. And then they're like, chill, it was just a joke that I said you were a man. I'm like, so funny. So funny, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, there's a lot of those comments and luckily mm -hmm. it doesn't affect me. I know my worth, mm -hmm. um, which is also why it doesn't bother me, but it does worry me sometimes uh, when I know that there are other MRKHers out there who see it and they might not uh, have the same reaction as me and they mm -hmm. might think less of themselves. So I try to explain that we are not less mm. just for our MRKH. Exactly. And I think that's so important that the, the MRKH advocates like yourself, like all of us that are out there publicly talking about it, we're kind of doing that on behalf of all the other people there mark H as well so when all the other people there mark H are maybe have that fear of other people knowing that's when those comments can really hurt because that's it kind of amplifies the reason they're not going out there in the first place whereas we want to spread the positivity that going out there even though mark H is still hard is is um like we shouldn't feel ashamed of it and we shouldn't feel like we can't talk about it not that everyone needs to go public I'm not saying that at all um because being private you can still be proud and private um but yeah I think the the lucky thing is really common like you said I think a lot of us have had the oh you're so lucky you don't have periods and I think personally it's just a case of people understanding that we honor their grief because periods can be really really hard and periods can be painful and there's endometriosis and all those different conditions but for people to kind of look at the other side and go well actually our absent periods are around infertility as well and the fact that we don't have wombs and grief and feeling empty and not having certain body parts so yeah and I feel like as MRKHs we're probably more not more but we are compassionate people meaning we can understand that someone's period might be really tough but we would never say to them they're lucky for having one yeah. <laughs> if they're finding it tough um so yeah no thanks for touching on those comments because I think it can be can be tough but yeah what's the yeah what sort of advice would you well you've kind of given advice already but is there anything else you wanted to say about dealing with kind of um quite intense comments online and, and how do you look after yourself throughout those times I think it's important to like remember that it's often because they don't know more about it mm. and for example with people asking um, or saying that you're lucky, they probably don't think about the fact that it actually has more effect than just, you know, not having a period. I love that I don't have to deal with a period, mm -hmm. but I'd much rather deal with a period than being infertile. And that's kind of the message that I try to say on there. So I think it's important when you get those comments to try to understand where they're coming from um but also like say explain your case maybe mm -hmm. but at least not let it get to you too much because 
you're worth a lot and what others think of you shouldn't matter because it's what you think of yourself. Oh, but that's of course hard to do. <laughs> no, but it's such it's such like lovely advice because there are people going public at different ages and different stages of their diagnosis and everyone's just trying to raise awareness and also like trying to cope with their own diagnosis by like so some of us kind of use that storytelling as our way of kind of coping through it and getting getting past the um yeah the kind of anxiety of talking openly about it yeah. um so yeah no I think you do such an amazing job at responding and because sometimes I'm the sort of person that gets on I'm like oh, I can't even be asked to respond I'm like oh whatever <laughs> but now I've sort of got into the stage of being like if someone says I'm lucky I'm, I just say I'm really sorry to hear that you have got a bad period I really feel for you and then just give them a nice kind of we we care about you so why can't you care about us <laughs> yeah. um yeah. So what about the positive side? So how how's the kind of positive like reaction? How has that helped you in your own journey? It has made me feel less alone. There's been so many kind people messaging me, either saying, oh, I feel so sorry for you, or people, mm. for example, in the medical field saying, thank you for sharing this. I had no idea this existed. Thank you, <laughs> because that is why I do what I do. I want mm -hmm. to teach people about our syndrome and how it affects us because then hopefully for the next person who's diagnosed, either their doctor will know about what's going on or hopefully someone that they choose to disclose to would actually know what it was. I would have loved that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I would still love it uh, now if I disclosed to someone. Um, and also my, through TikTok, I've been able to connect with so many people who have been able to, uh, relate in some way, um, and people who, um, who also have MRKH and they said, a lot of people have said, I had no idea other people like me were out there <laughs> and now you popped up on my TikTok. <laughs> it's crazy right that people say that though because I feel like I just feel so like sad that they haven't been able to find someone and have been so alone but I guess it's the same as us me and you finding someone when we were 18 so we, well yeah just depending on where they're from but yeah it's just I just think it's sad that there's people out there even now in so many corners of the world just feeling alone so mm -hmm. Yeah, keep going because you're like <laughs> spreading the MRKH wings so far. Like 18 million. I still can't get my head around that. Me Imagine me. that amount of people in a room. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> no, it's absolutely incredible. So please go and check out Sophie's TikTok and <laughs> add to the views. <laughs> um, do you want, yeah, do you want to touch on anything else about your advocacy journey? Is there anything else that you've kind of dabbled in or you're doing at the moment around um advocating for MRKH that you wanted to share um well other than on my own TikTok I only a couple of times sometimes every once in a while I'll write about uh the condition on Instagram on my own mm -hmm. page I also post some of my TikToks on uh my other Instagram account which is dedicated to MRKH, but I'm not that active on there. Um, and then I also am part of the 
MRKH stars team uh, where I write for them for some posts. Oh, and yeah, and I am also part of their TikTok as well. So I love that because I think it's yeah MRKH stars Vixen TK came on before and yeah. it's just reaching those newly diagnosed people which is such an important group of people to reach so yeah I love all the work that you guys are doing um so how do you do you take a break from advocacy <laughs> how do you look after your like do yourself and give yourself that kind of balance life balance um I do take breaks uh mm. sometimes unintentionally <laughs> and sometimes I just decide now nah, I'm gonna take a break and I'll post a video saying hey I'm taking a break I'll be back when I'm back but um, yeah, just taking a break and only posting whenever I feel inspired. And mm -hmm. then when I do feel inspired, I try to just make a bunch of videos mm -hmm. so that I have them in my drafts ready for when I'm uninspired and I can just post it and then not have to think about it. Um, really good idea, actually. Yeah, it, it helps. I'm like, <laughs> inspire make something and then feel inspired but not make anything else because I've just made something yeah. <laughs> I try to um I have my personal TikTok and then my advocacy TikTok mm. so I have I send myself messages whenever I find a trend or something and I'll send it to myself so I can find it later and mm. then I can just take care of it when I feel like it <laughs> It's so true because it can get really overwhelming. Do you, do you feel like you get overwhelmed with that kind of, yeah. I don't know, has that, because the viral um, moment for you is obviously amazing and it's continuing to be amazing because it's still there, but do you ever look at it and feel quite overwhelmed by it in like a intense way? <laughs> Definitely. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it is. It's a lot. Mm -hmm. um, it definitely, like, it's harder to push MRKH aside every mm. once in a while because it's always in your head and I think ever since the diagnosis it's always been in the back of my mind mm. but it is way more present now of course because I am doing advocacy so there are some tough days every once in a while but mm. that's just how it is it's very <laughs> up and down like I'm exactly the same um what would be your ingredients to turning pain into power? <laughs> <laughs> mm, I have to think about that. It's a good question. Mm. <laughs> Came from Ali, that one. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I think a way to turn pain into power is doing things that you like to do. Mm. Um, so if you're feeling down, watch a show that you like or something so that you can recharge your batteries, uh, do a hobby that you like. I like knitting, for example, or making cards, like birthday cards and stuff. I, like I love to do doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so just doing something where you can focus on something else mm. so that you can recharge your battery and be ready to think about it again. Like for example, if I always have MRKH in the back of my mind, but then if I can focus on something else for a while, mm. then I'm ready to let it back in, if that makes sense. 
I love that like analogy of it just being something that's there sometimes we need to kind of nurture it and give it lots of attention other times we need to just let it stay back and I know that a lot of people say don't bottle up your feelings but sometimes it's not bottling up it's just letting them sit there for a minute until you're ready to do it oh I love that yeah we're doing a um I did like a journal and art club for MRKH we'd have to have you come along to those if you like knitting I would love it's it. like journal, I always... journaling and crafting <laughs> yeah I would love that I always see your posts after it's happened oh after <laughs> drop your private message um so I just wanted to ask you about well I was going to ask you about the next couple thing, but I want to ask something else first about what you think. I know that you're in Denmark and obviously it's all different in different countries, but what do you think someone that's just been diagnosed with MRKH needs from the community? Like, what do you think the community needs to do for those people or more of? <laughs> <laughs> I think more of getting in touch with mm. the newly diagnosed, which is also why I think MRKH stars is so great because you're able to get in contact um I think we need to be even more present um to reach out to those people because there are so many people which I have found out now mm -hmm. I just googled MRKH right away when I got home because I wanted to see that I was not alone mm -hmm. but it's not everyone that does that it's not everyone who knows that there are people out there so maybe like getting out to more people um, and connecting with them. No, definitely. Because it is that when, like when I was younger, I just wanted to, well, in fact, I was really bad at messaging other people. But when I did get into the Facebook groups, that's when I was, oh, I really want to like have a conversation with someone and I really want to talk to someone online. So yeah, it's so true. And, and the work that everyone does there is, is so, so important for that kind of stage of diagnosis. Um, so what's your message to the next person being diagnosed then? What do you want to tell them? Well, um, you don't have to carry this burden alone. You can choose, of course, what you want to do, but know that you're not alone. You can talk to whoever you want to share it with. Um, it could be friends, family, or you could find other MRKHers to talk to. It could even be a stranger in the bathroom at a club when you're drunk. Like getting it out there can help so much. Um, and it's of course different from person to person what helps, but you don't have to carry this burden alone and you should know that we are out there for you. You could always contact me. I'm a little slow at replying, but... <laughs> I'm out there, MRKH Stars is out there. And honestly, I think no matter who you, who in the MRKH um, community that you contact, I'm pretty sure they'll be there for you too. Thank you, Sophie, that was so nice. And there's also the map on MRKH Connect where you can log into the forum and look at like where different people live. So there's just so many different places to go. And I think it's that daunting feeling of finding where that is. And that's why people like you, people like Connect Stars, all the charities and just everyone, it's just so important that like you said, we're present and we're here and we're listening. 
um but yeah that message was so so lovely well thank you for coming on and sharing your story (laughs) and thanks for everything you're doing on tiktok if you haven't checked sophie out on tiktok go and have a look and i'll i'll put all of your links in our description um but thank you so much and it was so nice to speak to you take care you too Thank you so much for listening to the Mind Over MRKH podcast. We will have regular new episodes, so please follow and subscribe. If you want to come for a chat, get in touch. And to everyone with MRKH, you are not alone.